Oh, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, we have our Lord and Savior. He comes to us and he tells us what we know as the golden rule, don't we? Love your neighbor as yourself. It doesn't seem as if that should be very confusing. The words as we learn them through our lifetime, they, they make a sense. They're, they're very clear to us. But the problem is we come into the present day in our society when people are changing the words, aren't they? In fact, maybe as you bring up your, your internet page to go and explore or, or find some thing that you're looking for, a new recipe perhaps to try for dinner tonight or, or how, how to knit or crochet better, what's the latest technique on this or that, you, you maybe have seen the, the little block there that says, treat people the way they want to be treated. Now, for, for you and I, that sounds a, a lot like, like the golden rule, doesn't it? It's like, oh, isn't that nice, you see? Isn't that a, a nice saying? Oh, you know, to, to treat people the way they want to be treated. That sounds so nice. But dear friends, in our present society, well, what does that mean exactly? It, it, it means that I want you to enable me in my sin, doesn't it? It means that I myself become the judge of what is right and what is wrong. It means if I would like to be able to take illegal drugs, you should help me to do that because I, I want to be able to take drugs. Treat me the way I want to be treated. If I want to drink a 12-pack of beer at night, that should be fine with you because treat me the way I want to be treated. If I want to engage in any kind of sexual sin, that ought to be okay with everybody because treat me the way I want to be treated. You see, dear friends, when Jesus comes to us and he says, love your neighbor as yourself, we must remember, first of all, he's speaking to Christian people. Okay, he's speaking to people that have that, that same kind of frame of reference. He's speaking to people that understand, you know, God has certain ways of going about things. God wants us to follow his commands. You see, when you and I go to another Christian with that, that in our heart to love our neighbor as ourselves, we see someone that has fallen into sin and we want to help them out, don't we? We want to bring them back onto the hard path instead of being out there in the swamp, right? 
We see someone is what we call lost. And we want to help them to be found again, right? We want them to return to the Lord your God. You see, what it means to, to love someone in that Christian way, well, well, first of all, it means we have the foundation of God's word. And so when God says this is the right way to go, we understand that to be true, and we want to help other people go in that right direction, don't we? See, if I love my neighbor as I love myself, I'm also thinking, you know what? If I fell into sin, I would want the Christians around me to come and to be able to say, you're not doing it right. You need to come back. You need to return to the church. You need to return to the Lord. You need to be able to get things right in your life again. When people in the world are out there saying, hey, treat me the way I want to be treated, they're just being selfish, really. Or they, they just want everybody else to kind of look out for them and everyone else to kind of cater to their own needs. Everybody else to say, oh, what you're doing is okay. Yeah. Oh, what you're doing is it, it, all we understand. You see. I, I want to be able to make excuses and, and yeah, I want to be able to say, oh, you know, my childhood and oh, that, that teacher I, I had and all that coach, oh, Man, and, and then I got to college and all the professors were against me and, and, and my life was, you know, just sad. And I, why can't people just treat me the way I want to be treated? And dear friends, as Christians, we need to be able to go in, in many and various uh, terrible situations and to be able to say, you know what? Maybe the reason that you're struggling is because you're breaking God's law. You thought about that? See? We, we need to be able to, because we love someone, uh, go to them and say, look, I've, I've noticed, right, that you're doing this, that, that you're doing that. You know, you, you say perhaps you're having trouble with your finances, but maybe if you didn't buy a 12-pack of beer every day, you would have some money that you could put in the bank, you see. Now, say that you're, you're you know, struggling a, a, a lot in your, your social life. Maybe you're going to a young person and, and you say, you know what? Maybe if, if you started to follow the Lord's directives about sexual activity, you wouldn't be having near as many problems as you're having right now. We're able to to step into these many and various difficult situations, not uh, trying to treat that person in the way that coddles them, in in the way that enables them to sin, in, in the way that they think they want, but rather to treat others the way God would have us treat them. But that, that means correction at times, doesn't it? 
In the Missouri Synod, we're pretty famous for law and gospel. Now, what does that mean? It means we're supposed to go into a sinful situation and we're supposed to be able to apply the law. And then at the person is coming to repentance, well, then, of course, we come with the gospel, you see. But first comes the law, then comes repentance, and then comes the reassurance that God has forgiven you. That now that you've repented, now that you've begun to turn around, now that you want to make things right, God will help you. We confess always at the beginning of our service, Lord, be merciful to me, a poor, sinful being. People today, they they don't want to confess that, do they? People today, they they think somehow they're, they're okay. People today think that somehow everybody just is kind of doing bad things and God's just going to overlook it all and everybody's going to heaven and they ignore the scripture where Jesus says, guess what? The way to heaven is narrow. It's hard. It's constricting. It means you have to leave the luggage of your favorite sins behind to enter in. The Bible tells us only the overcomers will reign on high. But what's that mean? It means you've got to overcome your sin. It means you've got to be able to leave your sin behind. It means you've got to be able to change doesn't it? One of our scriptures for today talked about that change. We who have sinned, and that's all of us, we need it to be able to change. We need it to be able to become like Christ. We need that. We we can't get there. We can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, you you look at society's way. Okay, I'm going to treat you the way you want to be treated. You'd like to be able to engage in any sin that you want. You'd like me to not judge you. You'd like me to not not speak against your favorite sin. You'd like me to maybe even encourage you in your sin. Oh, that's what society wants, isn't it? Not only have we come to the place where we we don't want you to speak out against our sin, but if you're going to teach in our public schools, if you're going to have contact with our children in our present society, you're going to be speaking for sin as well. They're not going to call it sin, but you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Right, all these people, have, they have different lifestyles and you better not condemn their lifestyle. You better not condemn the way that, that they you know, choose to, to live their lives. You better rather talk about it in glowing terms. Now, we're going to be in trouble. 
That's what society wants. Our Lord God, he, he comes like that lighthouse beacon once more cutting through the fog of today's society. And he says, that's not the way. But here's the way. That your love will be hard at times. Now, I, I think a lot of you get that today. You know, you, you raised your, your children. You did it successfully. You did it in a, a society that wasn't always perfect. And, and, and why was that? It was because when, you know, your, your five-year-old son came home from the store and he had an extra little car in his pocket, and and you said, you know, Timmy, where, where'd you get that? Well, I, I took it from the store. You see, well, what did you do? Right, you, you may have bundled Timmy back up in the car. You went back to the store. You, you sought out the owner, the manager, and, and you said, you, you know what, my, my son Timmy, he stole this car. He got out of the display case. He brought it home. And, and whatever kind of punishment, you know, you think you need to, to have against him, we're willing to receive that. And so maybe little Timmy had to sweep the floor because he did that. Or maybe the, the store owner, you know, valued your relationship. He's, oh, you know, that, that, that happens. That, that's uh, fine. And, and you just kind of went on your way. But you understood that what little Timmy did was wrong, you see. You, you administered some kind of correction. You made him go through the motions and there was maybe even that moment of fear. Now, what is the store owner going to do to me? Dad just told that guy he can do whatever he wants. What's going to happen? You see, we understood that to love someone else means from God's perspective. If I love my son, my daughter, I don't want them to steal. I want them to understand there's going to be a consequence. I want them to grow up in that word of God. That's what we wanted. Now, an instance like that, you know, with your little five-year-old, that was maybe kind of tough for you. But you did it because... It was right, see. We have maybe those little moments throughout our, our day as well. You know, I, I know we don't use a, a lot of cash. You know, a lot of times you're just using your credit card today, but, but sometimes you, you still use cash. You get a, a little bit of extra change back. You, you maybe get out to your, your car. You weren't paying much attention. You're kind of looking, counting, looking at your receipt sitting in your car, and you say, well, I, I got a little bit of extra now, how do you respond? You say that, well, you know, the world owes me. You know, I, I, I myself, you know, I, I'm 58 years old. You know, after 58 years, the world owes me something. 
That sales clerk, she gave me an extra 10 bucks. Look at that. I got 10 bucks. Or do you say, I need to take this back right now? You get out of your car, it's 30 below, you know, you're walking through the snow of the parking lot with, you know, a $10 bill, but you take it in there, and it's like, excuse me, you, you know, overpaid me when you gave my money back. Here's your $10. Then you went back out into the 30 below, and you turned through the snow, and you got in your car, and, and you drove home. Maybe you didn't even think that much about it. But you see, that's where God wants us to be, that we would love our neighbors as ourselves. That we would do it built on that foundation of God's word. That we would understand that in just the simple little things of everyday life, other people come to see what a Christian is. What it means to live that life. To live it out. To be the one who answers to the call. Now, I think that's a, a beautiful message. It's a beautiful way to be able to look at things. I'm loving my neighbor. I'm doing it according to the word of God rather than whatever they think it ought to be. I'm, I'm caring about them, but again, we say, how can I do it? Now, at least we're at the point now where, you know, we, we can think about it. And we say, wow, you know, God's way, it's really a good way. And I, I like that. And, and I, I want to be able to do that. How can I do it? How can I change? Now, you know, most of you changed already, right? If you have friends and neighbors, you have relatives, they didn't make it to church today for whatever reason, and, and you know, you're, you're kind of wondering, how can that change take place? How can that happen? How can it last? And, of course, the answer is, it's not me, is it? It's God. God says he will give his Holy Spirit. God says, if you will but repent, he will give you that gift of new life. See? God comes and tells us, you know, okay, only the overcomers will reign on high. And maybe you're saying, well, how can I overcome? Well, you know, again, I know most of you, you've already did that, right? You have the Holy Spirit. You're here today because you know your Lord. But maybe you're wondering, how can my, my son, my daughter, my grandson, my granddaughter, my niece, my nephew, how can they overcome? How can they get there? It's the gift of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? For we all have sinned, we all have fallen short of that glory of God. I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess that I can't do it myself. I need help. 
And dear friends, that is exactly where the gospel comes in, isn't it? But you can't ever get to that point if everybody is okay, see? I can't ever get that person to understand that they need help if I just treat them the way they want to be treated. The wife can't get her husband to understand he has a problem with alcohol if he gets drunk every night and she just kind of cleans up the vomit and tucks him into bed and, and doesn't ever say anything and it's all okay. You see, the only way a person can achieve a, a lasting change is if someone gets in their face and lays down the law and says, this is what the word says. This is a sin. Something has to be different now. Of course, we're, we're not doing that in a, a, a mean way. We're not doing it in a, an angry way. You know, I'm, I'm going to beat you up every day until you change. No, that, that's not it. But neither is just letting it go, you see. And so you and I, we, we go into these fearful situations. You know, sometimes the, the Bible tells us, you know, some of these situations, you should go into that as if you're going into a burning house and you're afraid that your own clothes are going to catch on fire. That's what God says, right? You do it fearfully. You, you do it trembling. But because your loved one is in the burning house, you go anyway. You take some precautions. You know, you, you grab the garden hose and you drenched yourself first for five seconds because you knew it was dangerous. But you know, you go. But you don't just say, oh, hey, if you want to be in a, a burning house, that, that's fine. Treat you the way you want to be treated. No, you go and you draw them out of the flames. You get them to that point where they finally say, I, I understand that this isn't working. There needs to be a change. And dear friends, that's where the gospel comes in, doesn't it? Here's how you can change. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, loved you so very much. He knew that the way that you were born, that there was sin in your heart, there's sin in everyone's heart, and he knew that you needed help. And so he came and he laid down his life for you. He was born into this evil and sinful world as a helpless little baby. He gave up all the power he had there in heaven. Now the Bible tells us that Jesus was the one through whom all things were made. That means God spoke, Jesus acted, the thing occurred. 
Jesus had that kind of power and he laid it down. He came in the form of that little helpless baby. He went through this world, this life, enduring all things just as we do. He knew what it was to be hungry. He knew what it was to, to be exhausted. He knew what it was to, to put in a full day's labor and, and not really get much reward out of it. He knew what it was to have a trusted friend turn against him. He knew what it was to be mocked and humiliated as he hung upon the cross. He knew the physical suffering that we all go through. He knew a horrible, trying death. And as he hung upon the cross, he had each of us in his mind. He was there for us. He was there to open the way back to heaven. Because no one could get there by themselves. And when people come to understand that gospel, when they come to know their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the natural response is that we would love him, isn't it? And what is that kind of love? It's a love that changes people's lives. Our lives are different. I think each of us could, could look back and, and we could imagine, you know, if Jesus wasn't in my life, where would I be right now? Where would I be? And there's not anyone that would raise their hands. I would be in exactly the same place. There's not any true Christian that would raise their hand and say, oh, I would have made it just the same without Jesus. But it's foolishness, isn't it? You and I are where we are today by the grace of God, aren't we? You and I have become the people that we are today because Jesus has been working on us. Now, now certainly you might say, well, pastor, if Jesus has been working on you for 58 years, I might expect a little bit more. Well, people maybe could say that. But nevertheless, Okay, I'd like to imagine what I would be like today if Jesus had never entered my life. Now you can let your imagination run wild. Maybe I'm out there selling drugs to kids. Okay, if Jesus isn't in my life, who knows what I'd be doing right now if it hadn't been for my Lord. See? And that's what Jesus asks of us today. We all have sinned. We all have fallen short. We all were born, you know, missing that, that gene that helps us do God's will. We all are broken. We confess it. We repent of it. Our Lord, he comes to us and he says, now that I have saved you, 
Will you love your neighbor as yourself? Will you reach out to that person that's lost, that's in, in temptation, that's committing sin? Will you reach out to them and let them know the saving message? We've sinned. The thing that you're doing, it's a sin. It'll keep you from heaven. It keeps you from fellowship with God. If you will but repent, if you will but turn from your sin, God who is faithful and just will forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You see, God loves so much. And Jesus, he opened the way to heaven for all who believe. Let us go and love our neighbors as ourselves. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen.